0: Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry.
1: Hello, this is Hank Hill, and you're listening to Eating Habits, sponsored by Propane, <laughs> nice, well done. You're
0: actually listening to Jesse Ledmetter. <laughs> um, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing it. I want to talk to you a little bit about Freshlist, obviously. That's probably the, the thing that most relates to what we what I'm trying to do with eating habits. The idea here is I want to have a platform to connect people with where their food comes from, the people doing it the personalities behind it, the inspiration behind it, and all that kind of stuff. And I think you guys are doing something really cool. So let's talk about that.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I've been a fan of the podcast, as I was mentioning to you. I haven't had as much time to get out and meet with people and and that, you know, over the past couple of years, something, some stuff happened. I can't remember what it was, Uh, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I've always, I've come to realize that the reasons that chefs buy from us and that people appreciate what we do is not because of what we have we do have incredible products but it's more the why you know why we're why we're doing that and because I know the stories of these farmers even ones like Sammy that we were talking about Sammy Mm -hmm. from Newtown who don't work with us Mm -hmm. that's okay I will I'll promote people like him all day long because we're we're all trying to build this thing together and fix a system that was, that was yep. broken, still is broken. So
0: you know, Sammy mentioned the same kind of sentiment at the end of an interview I just did with him. He was talking about how fresh list is a part of the solution. We, we were generally talking about we can talk about this a little bit if you want, but we we're just talking about kind of this disconnect of society to their food source. and yeah. and that being kind of one of the missions that he's on as a farmer was connecting community with food and healthy nutritious food mm-hmm. was a big thing but fresh list is kind of a different sort of beast how would you describe what fresh list is to people that maybe don't understand how restaurants get their food
1: yeah i mean the uh, the the industry term you know we're a food hub we work with, with small and mid-sized family farms, work directly with them, as well as a couple of food hubs that share values with us in, in you know, the region. But the idea is that we're working with those farmers and saying, what do you have? What do you need to sell? And then we find markets for that. Uh, predominantly restaurants, that's still, you know, 90% of our business here in Charlotte. Uh, we have probably 400 chefs that get our list uh, via text or email not just chefs brewers bakers distillers you know muddy river just got some basil from us they get basil you know maybe once a month or every other month that's fine i'm not expecting them to buy you know we try to be as accessible and we know that again we're all trying to trying to just change the course of that ship in a little bit better direction over time we started off in 2014 just naive you know, my, me and my business partners, we all went to high school together thinking we were going to build technology to connect farmers and chefs because we didn't want to be a middleman. We thought that middleman piece was it, it got in the way of that relationship. And that's true for a lot of people. But we started to, to get to know farmers and, you know, we'd see, you know, like Mindy Robinson, you know, delivering to 45, 50 restaurants, you know, or having to pay someone to do that. And, you know, the farmers need to be they want to be in the fields you know this brent barbie uh, one time i was talking to him about it and he was like i want to be a shadow in the field like that's that's where my place is i need to be there and so every moment they're either you know out doing a sales call or trying to collect payment or delivering is time they're not doing that yeah, the so, weeds keep growing yeah well they're, they're not do. in the field <laughs> we we're just talking about that yeah yeah <laughs> they don't stop growing um mm-hmm. but now i remember sammy whenever i was you know i'd early days I, I wasn't completely naive and thinking that I had all the answers I was really trying to like get to know the people in the in the community that were you know that were already doing this work and I remember going and talking to Sammy and meeting with them at the Matthews market and then going out to the farm and I was reading some Wendell Berry at the time which uh, T McLeod who used to run the Bradford store up in uh, Davidson he was the one who kind of turned me on to Wendell Berry and I was talking to Sammy about it and Sammy goes you ever read that uh, essay about Wendell Berry where he says uh, it's called like the reasons I'll never own a computer <laughs> I was like no I haven't but <laughs> you know it's again I've learned that you don't want people just to pat you on the back and say oh it's a great idea like you kind of need you need people to be real with you and the quicker you can get to that I think the the better off you'll be so yeah but I mean that's I think early on for us just to survive we had to kind of, you know, create the infrastructure to generate revenue, you know, bring, get enough volume, get enough farmers working with us, get enough chefs buying from us, getting this critical mass that was so difficult to get, you know, you guys were a part of that and we haven't stopped delivering to y'all since then. It's funny, the restaurant industry, you know, this like for a chef to be at a restaurant longer than six months is like, (laughs) you get a service award. Um, And that kind of scared me from a, you know, customer standpoint, like, oh, we're going to lose this customer in six months, but we don't, we, they take us to the new restaurant they go to and then whoever fills their position usually ends up using us. Carries and, on the, the, yeah. the
0: relationship. Yeah. That's yeah. great. What changed the direction of your initial idea from going into this software kind of connectivity thing to the actual food hub where you guys are are handling the product?
1: Yeah. So 2016, we had, you know, spent a couple of years was, we also just moved very slowly in those early days, trying to just <laughs> do a lot of research and working in spreadsheets and theoreticals. We built this platform where chefs could buy directly from farmers, you know, farmers listed stuff. And we launched that in 2016, in July of 2016. And we had a few people using it. There were a couple of restaurants that bought some things and immediately the wheels kind of started falling off. Like yeah. Sh- chefs are not as technologically <laughs> advanced as is <as, laughs>
0: Yeah. Is, and neither are farmers. Yeah. Like you're trying to it's, link two groups of people that just yeah. resist technology for some reason.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, such a painful point where, you know, how us foods can make food feel so like we've got it whenever you need it. Now I don't know that's probably not the case right now, but in the real world with farms, like you're going to have short, the farmer's going to think they have something and then, Oh, you know, bugs ate all of my peaches or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And that we realized that pretty quickly. And it was like all the stuff we had worked for, we realized like, this isn't this isn't going to work. And then the very next day I got a, a call that my mom had um, committed suicide. Oh man, I'm sorry. And yeah, completely, you know, from being on, on the top of the world thinking, Oh my gosh, we finally launched this. It's going to work to pretty much the lowest point had to all that momentum. I had to basically go back home to St. Louis for a couple of weeks and kind of, you know, tidy up affairs. Uh, maybe luckily, she—I should say this—she didn't have a you know, there's no estate, there's no uh, assets to be distributed. But family, you know, just kind of going around and being there for my my aunts and uncle and and cousins, and that really took the steam out of everything. And then when I got back to Charlotte a couple of weeks later, I'm sitting in, you know, I was working from home. Uh, before it was cool, <laughs> just uh, sitting <laughs> in my home office in dead silence and just with my thoughts. And I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like I have nothing to show for it. I've put all my own personal savings into this. Um, and I did the one thing that I knew would feel right. I went out to T. McLeod's spot. I needed some more chicken feed. And I got to his farm and and pick up some chicken feed. And he, uh, he told me, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he just has this like very just When he talks people listen uh he just has a very like powerful voice and he always has wise words but we talked he knew what happened with my mom and we're talking and he as i'm getting ready to leave he goes uh you know i need to tell you something and i don't want you to think it sounds weird but i had a dream about you last (laughs) night and i was like okay that's the first time i've heard that but uh (laughs) he said i had this dream that you were you're standing in this field and there are storms all around you and he's like when you know when storms are in you know, happening that they're like putting all this nitrogen into the into the atmosphere and the plants everything's just like taking that and pulling it and feeding their roots and making their roots stronger and I saw where he was going with it I don't know if he actually legitimately had that dream or if he just felt like he needed to tell me that in a way of you know yeah this is a very difficult storm but you can take things from that and and become stronger and so I left that farm and I went to Brent's and I just, I just went back and started talking to farmers again. And I was like, I think we got it wrong. What do you need? You know, let's, let's try to revisit this. And ultimately started doing deliveries for Mark and Mindy uh, down at Tiga Hills farm. We'll talk about Mark a little bit later on, he, mm-hmm. he just passed. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I didn't know what I was doing. We bought a van and out of Texas, Brad drove it up in a tropical storm overnight. And I would just do, I would deliver all of her stuff and I would execute it. I would, you know, just buttoned up and, but I started meeting chefs and not just meeting them in the sense of like, Hey, can I get five minutes of your time to have coffee kind of thing, but like seeing them in the kitchen and, and just understanding a little bit of that culture. When we started doing that, I was like, I'm yeah, I'm not ready to give up. We're, we're going to just go wherever we need help, whoever we can. And, and just kind of see where it goes from there. So that's, that's really Is that
0: kind of how the idea to start working with multiple farms, bring it to the chefs, like that interaction in the kitchen, seeing, I mean, chefs are busy, Yeah, you know, and I was talking with Sammy about this. One thing that, that this hub model does is it, it, it changes the dynamic of the relationship with Mm -hmm. the people, with the farmer. Yeah. right because you, you don't have to the farmer doesn't have to come to the kitchen to mm-hmm. to drop off the food but what it does do is adds an element of convenience to chefs where you know we're like farmers we're yeah. at the stove or in the kitchen and you know preparing and, and working hard at, at getting the, the dishes together so mm-hmm. having the stuff available and not have to leave the kitchen or spend you know 30 minutes in the office digging through uh 12 pages of, of yeah. fresh list. Like right? yeah. we yeah. actually can pull it up on our phone. We can look what's available, get on a, a call or a text and receive our stuff the next day. It's pretty magical. Yeah. So is that kind of how it, that, that came together?
1: Yeah, it, it is. I was delivering for Mindy and, you know, Mindy mainly did lettuces, micros. I would start asking, you know, I knew what, uh, I knew what some other farmers that, you know, we're not working with me directly yet but i knew stuff they had and so i'd ask the chefs like you know is there anything else you're looking for and so i started putting together my own list again nothing i would i didn't compete with mindy in any of that but would just email a pdf you know old school even though we built this fancy platform we're not using that we're just like here's a pdf of what we have i emailed it to like matt martin because he, he was at fern at the time tom Marlowe, uh chef Alyssa. You know, there's just a handful of people and i'm just like if you want anything, let me know. And then they'd email back and I'll take this and then, you know, they'll add on something. And it just, it really, I think, you know, again, going back to the, it's not necessarily the what you have to offer that that people are going to get excited about. It's, it's why you're doing this. And once they knew I was legit and I was going to be there, I did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of stuff and still do every now and then that doesn't make us money, mm-hmm. but it's because we're trying to legitimately help, you know, chefs just as much. I used to think it was just going to be about helping the farmers but we've learned that you know farmers like mindy and i say this because just coming back from her uh, her husband's funeral service on sunday i hadn't i got there helped out with food had some chefs that did some some food for her and i was i was trying to find her so i could say hello before i left and i'm looking for her and at her husband's service she's holding the door for people mm-hmm. and i was like this is why you know yep and I realized that it's, you know, chefs are the same way. Like yeah. there's no other reason, right? It's not because, oh, it's easy job. and we get paid super, you know, ridiculous money and all these benefits. That's not, we need to get, you know, to those point uh, or to that point in the industry. But it's really about people that are like, I'm going to, I'm here to serve mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep doing that. And
0: Yeah, the hosp- the hospitality industry is a lot denser than I think people think, right? They, they think of the hospitality and they think of hotels and restaurants. Mm-hmm. They don't always consider the farmers or the food hubs or, you know, all the different people in between that make this stuff go. Yeah. And most of the people doing it, at least the people that are in leadership doing it or the farmers are doing it. To take care of others yeah you know i mean it's, yeah. it really is a selfless thing you know that they get this kind of satisfaction from you know
1: yeah i got a hot take for you yeah, hit me uh greg collier is not the best black chef in charlotte greg collier is the best chef in charlotte yeah i i think i've learned that it's it's not just about the food because the food can be good, but you could have used crap ingredients or not cared where those came from. Mm-hmm. It's also not just about the ingredients, um, because that's a given. Now you should be doing some sort of you know local sourcing and trying to figure that out. Uh, but it's all the other stuff that that he does that you guys are doing, like to try to take care of your people. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you know, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly tough. difficult. You almost have to open more restaurants because you get you know you got to just. We're, you know, again, anytime you're trying to fix something that's broken, you are, you're signing up for a life of, of being able to, you'll never, those of us who are trying to fix the restaurant industry or food systems or, you know, affordable housing, if that's what you're spending your time doing, you have to get comfortable with the fact that you're not going to do it in your lifetime. A hundred percent. And so success has to be measured some other way and you got to figure that out. And I think he's someone who I remember dropping stuff off to him at the Yolk back in the day. I didn't really know him just seeing him grow over the years Mm -hmm. and could not be happier for him. Yeah. He's, he's doing great,
0: man. And, uh, congrats to them. They just had their, their baby girl. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Greg. He's a super positive dude with a ton of energy. I mean, he's definitely one of those forces that is going to make major moves over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's already been doing it and he's still young enough that he's got a long way to go.
1: Yeah. You know, he's
0: got a lot of energy still to to contribute.
1: So, yes. Yeah. Well, th- this is a question I have for you, too, because I yeah. know he's, as like, at what point, you know, because I feel like you're young, I'm um, young, know, like there's so much more I want to accomplish since like go, but like for you, where do you feel like? Do you see an end game or is it like, I just need to open up these two more restaurants or I'm just going to keep doing this that, as long as I enjoy it. And my experience has been, has been that it just keeps going. Yeah.
0: And you know, my, my life dream was always just to have my own place. Yeah. Like that was my goal. Yeah. You know, just say, like how do I have my own restaurant so I can, so I can, you know, express myself through my, my craft or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we did that over a decade ago at five church and, and it was a huge success and all that. So like, you know, your goals had to, my goals had to change. I was like, all right, well, what's next. Okay. Like I fulfilled that. So what, what, what is this all about? And now, you know, much later in my career, it isn't about my craft anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. It's about things you touched on a second ago. It's about the food industry. It's about the health of the restaurants. It's about food systems. You know, it's about educating the public. Like a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do, you know, is our customers, our guests need to get it. Like we, we could be doing all this work for nothing if people don't uh, hang on to it. Yeah. You know? Uh, And so, and a lot of what you mentioned about during the Greg comment is we have so much talent in our group right now that I almost have to open places for them to, you know, to succeed. Yeah. You know, these people are going to stay under you and work with you right. for so long. And they reach a point where they're the next level of leadership. And yeah. unless you have a place for them to grow into that, you lose them yeah. to somewhere else. So that's a lot of where I think my focus is now is like, how do I keep growing at a steady pace, um, where we can, I can still be relevant, mm-hmm. right. By being leadership for these young chefs that are coming up. Um, and then you know still be involved
1: yeah that's something you know i mentioned you know earlier early in the process it was it was the farmers like these are the people we're doing this for and then also like start to know chefs uh but then as our team grew i mean we've got a, still a relatively small team right now but aaron coming on and helping me with those deliveries in in the early days and then Gigi, second person coming on and I didn't have, I didn't know what I was doing, you know, as a, <laughs> as a manager, even though I managed in corporate, I was managing in a structure that was just handed down to me and it was super simple. Right. There was, there was just no playbook there. I'm sure there are books that could have told me some of the things I needed to know, but I also didn't trust the people that were writing the books. Mm-hmm. And I've had that since I was a kid where I was like, I don't believe you, I'm going to find out for myself. Mm-hmm. And, but as I, you know, as we've grown the company, um, you know, Matt, Chef Matt, when he came on, it was great just having someone who had, had that level of experience in the kitchen start to see how things work from the farm side, And but this team came together and and the four of us just got it over the hump, so to speak. I hope that's, you know, you're always trying to figure out, are we over the hump? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, is, is, is this
0: another hump that <laughs>
1: we're? Yeah, but like giving them, you know, making them equity owners in the company, which is something we, we did um, recently, like those things just even though it's just something on paper right mm-hmm. now um that those are the little things of success for me where i'm like we're building something where people can find meaning yep i don't want any of them to leave we're still a company where there's a lot of stuff we we're getting back into the technology side we've you know got these relationships with hubs up and down the east coast we want to do more so there's plenty of opportunity here but i know that there'll come a time where one of them is is going to want to you know want to go and do something different and that that's fine mm-hmm. um but as long as they're here, I'm gonna do everything I can to to make sure that you know we're trying to take care of them. Yeah. So.
0: Tell me a little bit more about the growing process of freshless. So you guys have been open for has it been five years?
1: So? Oh man, it's yeah. Like... So officially, like, formed the company in 2014 when it was just technology. We didn't start doing deliveries and with the van and stuff until 2017, operating out of Lenny Boy. Okay. Uh, towns at Lenny Boy had a little bit of walk-in cooler space like two two racks worth and Mm -hmm. one van and then we did that for a couple probably year and a half two years and then we're at some temporary space over in Noda um, like a warehouse that's like the new art theater Mm -hmm. now really just like scraping but just trying to you know trying to get this critical mass of of revenue like we wanted to be profitable we didn't want to be you know there's a lot of people in this in the food hub space um that are nonprofits and basically living like for that for the next grant and i think grants are an important part of of you know f- subsidizing this effort to try to fix something that's broken mm-hmm. but i was very worried about building this this you know business that farmers came to rely upon and then it fell apart because we couldn't manage our right. you know we couldn't manage things and so there were a couple of times in 2019 where you know you're waking up in the morning and the first thing you do is check the bank account did payroll clear i um, wasn't paying myself for a long time <laughs> ask that why am i doing this i need <laughs> to go out to the farms and like you know <laughs> gotta gotta get that reminder um and then we had we decided to raise some money from investors uh again in 2020 january of 2020 we had we were trying to raise three hundred thousand dollars to move into our new facility, build out walk in cooler, and like finally have our own our own space. Mm-hmm. We had half of that in the bank uh whenever that Wednesday, March twenty fifth, yeah, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um I mean it was earlier and, in the and month. I can't it remember. was it was enough. I was down at a food hub conference in New Orleans uh that week and Jeff and Jamie from Supperland, uh you know, they'd Colleen, they'd been customers of ours for a long time and i met jeff and jeff believed enough in what we're doing where he's like i want to support you all and he was the the last person that that invested in the world shut down i was so scared because they're working on Supperland. i was like he's gonna call me and ask for his money back i just know it he didn't uh (laughs) and we at that point like we probably should have finished like trying to raise the money but there are only you know five of us and i don't have time to go out and fundraise like i had to get to work i mean so we got we just put our heads down and powered through it we got some like grant type funding it's basically funding to build food boxes where we're getting money Uh, I think it was Blue Cross Blue Shield was uh, donated money to Carolina Farm Stewardship Association and they had a program called farm shares where we would buy stuff from our farmers put it in boxes and deliver it to hospitality workers Mm -hmm. and that program is still going on to a different degree now but that probably saved us Chef Scott Craig at Myers Park and uh, Charles uh, Gardner at Longview. Mm-hmm. The country clubs, their, you know, members need to spend money at the club. But when the restaurants shut down, they're like, hey, can we just, can they buy food from you? And we're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so those things probably help save us. Yeah. And then just the restaurants, like, you know, you guys, I mean, their restaurants, that, sure, they stopped buying for a little bit. Sure. But they would start to to come back on. And and that's where, you know, the the cool thing about the team we have is that they're They share that like people pleasing hospitality service. Aaron would be on the phone with, you know, Paul Verica or other people are just like trying to like, what is what's working? Are people doing takeout? Are they doing like grocery Mm -hmm. stuff and really just trying to figure out how to get everybody through it? Because we needed, you know, the restaurants that were hit the hardest were the ones that we needed and our farmers needed to survive. Yeah, Um, those are the ones that use a hub
0: Yeah, like that, right? The, the, The smaller the smaller restaurants that are that are reliant on the community and stuff like that. Like it's a small, I don't think a lot of people understood either that during this whole shutdown, like the monster conglomerate restaurant groups that have 350 stores or a thousand stores across the country were not hit as hard (laughs) as the small restaurant groups or single, you know, chef operated stores that have 60 seats and rely on a paycheck to, you know, and those are, those are the stores I think that or the restaurants that,
1: really were buying uh, or supporting you guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it scared the heck out of us. I mean, that's why we started, we really went, we leaned heavily into home delivery because at the time, you know, back when people go to the grocery store and shelves were wiped out. And so we're like, all right, we've kind of experimented with this a little bit before. So we're a small enough company and pretty adaptive. So we're like, all right, now we're, now we're doing home delivery. (laughs) And and we, we still do that to a degree, you know, now it's just about making sure that we're diversifying, you know kind of mitigating some risk if one thing shuts down but also like doing just whatever everything we do we ask this pretty simple question like is it good for the farmer and there are farms that we work with that are on a smaller scale that can't really do restaurant volume but they can do you know 10 bundles of this for home delivery right. um and so you know we're, we're really trying to just again just be adaptive and, and try to do whatever we have to do to solve the problem but next The next phase of us, now that, you know, the goal is to get the Charlotte hub, you know, make sure it's set up and we're not having to worry about survival, (laughs) which is... Are you still in survival mode? No, not right now, but, you know, I I say that, like, you only really look three months out whenever answering that question, I feel (laughs) like, because you don't know what's going to happen around the corner. We we all learned (laughs) not to plan too far ahead. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think, yeah, it's now it's just like, all right, let's... And again, we we also can't just put the gas pedal down. Like we're food. We only have so many local farmers. Yep. Um, we want to have more farmers and be able to, to accommodate more farmers. But to do that, you need demand to exceed what you already have. We get probably, I don't know, at least an email or a call a week, someone saying, Hey, I'm growing microgreens. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but you know, can you help me? And we're like, no, we can't right now <laughs> yeah. because you already have these farms that are doing those microgreens. Right. That that seems like low hanging fruit for people trying to get into farming. Right, and it's it's just you know it, it's tough because we used to just tell them we'll let you know, mm-hmm. but now we kind of feel the need to explain to them a little bit. Like you know, right. don't do if you haven't already bought all this equipment. Like don't do it. Yeah, don't get into microgreen farming. I can tell you what you can grow or should grow. Right um so yeah now it's the connecting of you know helping farmers have more information about what chefs want we Mm -hmm. wanted some cool stuff we want to do there on the technology side where and that's the the long game with technology here was was realizing that we had to figure out how we could use technology to improve the relationship between chef and farmer not replace it yep and you know being able to give you access to you know what Farmers could grow in this area, kind of like, you know, those Baker Creek seed catalogs, like the cool stuff. I mean, you farmed, you you know, Um, that's the fun part, picking that out. But giving chefs access to that Mm -hmm. and then taking that information and then sharing it with farmers, like, you know, people actually don't want shishitos anymore. They want this other pepper and trying to have them make better planting decisions because, you know, when you're throwing seeds in the ground, you're taking a guess about what, you know, at least the farmers have been doing it for a long time, have last year's data to go off of. And here's what I can sell and here's what I think will buy it. But,
0: well, I think that's one of the things that was, that's, that's so important about Sammy's relationship to the, to the, his customers, Mm -hmm. the chefs that he sells to, or the, the market is that, I mean, he's very hands-on, you know, he knows the people that are, that are buying his products and they're, you know, by way of that knows what they want, you know, and they tell him, Hey, we don't, we don't want romaine lettuce anymore right and he's like okay cool i'm gonna do this cool new lettuce from wherever yeah and and that's great and i think that connectivity is important to make sure there's enough or, or like you said right everybody will have my like there's only so many mustard <laughs> micros that you can put on a salad yeah. or whatever yeah. right
1: the cool thing too i think it's it's not you know by helping farmers plant more of what you know the market wants you start to get more biodiversity and and like all this for me walking through the little garden out back like just talking about how just having that realization about the importance of this the way that things are farmed and the health of the land and the soil that's a hard thing to do on a large scale level with these big farms mm-hmm. um, much less the small family farms you know two that we work with but if you can take some of the risk out of it for them and, and let them feel confident in planning some different stuff, then you drive this biodiversity. And so it's like the long way around to, uh-huh. to, to get that ultimate goal. So. How important is that to the overall ethos of what you're doing? Um, it's important as a, as a long-term thing. I'm not going to go like, we just, I had that realization with, with a farmer that we work with who they're like, you know diversified really farming the right way and i think they kind of gave me a little bit of flack for working with a conventional farmer that we work with and and at first i was like you know i I didn't really know what to say but then i was like you know if i only worked with the farmers that were farming the exact way that i think farming should be done we'd have a list of you know (laughs) a a handful you know a handful of farms and um we wouldn't be able to, to serve chefs like we want to and I think for us, it's like, you've got to make a little bit of sacrifice in in terms of how long it's going to take you to get to this end goal. Um, because from the chef's side, again, like you guys, yes, you want to buy uh, organic stuff, but, you know, you also gotta, got to get food you got to get out, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, And, 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 and you know. I think a, another important
0: part of this equation is, um, you know, restaurants like Church and Union, I mean, we are a juggernaut right? I mean, we do massive volume. Um, you know, if I need potatoes, I need like 600 pounds, not a 25 pound bag or a five pound bag. Yeah. Right. And so where are the lines? Right. I mean, that's the thing, that's the balance I think that we all need or try to look at, Mm -hmm. you know, where do you have lines? Um, do you have hard lines in the sand where you're like, okay, this is, this is a farm that will work with, from a conventional standpoint mm-hmm. versus on an organic standpoint or growing techniques. Is
1: there some, do you guys have a strict kind of, yeah. I mean, our, the rubric we run it through is, uh, as local as possible, as long as it meets our standards. Now that's not, we're not carrying avocados or bananas or really anything outside of, you know, bordering States. But for us, it's about the transparency. And again, we're not trying to hold farmers to some unreasonable, unreasonable standard it's like we just want to know them and know that they're i mean they're feeding their families this stuff and mm-hmm. and having grown stuff my own like i i know why like if you want to survive sometimes you have to you know you have to farm in a way that you know how or that you can do mm-hmm. um and so for us it's you know really a you know, we haven't really, I wouldn't say we've turned farmers away unless they're just trying to grow something that we're not, you know, we legitimately can't sell for them. Mm-hmm. We try really hard to to make it work, but we also, you know, we prioritize the farms that we've been working with because we're trying to make sure that we sell, you know, we become a meaningful part of their business. Um, and we got to keep that going and just grow to the point where we can start bringing on new farmers. Yep. We started working with, food hubs in the region. So back in 2018, Aaron and I went down to Greenville, South Carolina to Swamp Rabbit. If you've never mm-hmm. been down there, it's a cool little spot owned by um, Mary and, and Jack. And they just built this little, it's like part food hub, part cafe, part grocery store, part daycare. I mean, it's just <laughs> a cool little spot, but we were like, just went down there. We are like, Hey, you guys do this whole like food hub stuff too. We should share lists, you know, like in our the Difference in what they have and when they have it is just different enough where mm-hmm. it helps us extend seasons on things, yeah. So yeah, their seasons
0: maybe a little bit earlier down there than yeah. some things. Then,
1: yeah, so it's not just about know. the volume, uh, challenge, it's the I want to put peaches on the menu, okay. Well, cool, we're gonna have them for four weeks, you know, right, that's right. it. So, like, just now, the microclimates between the two states yeah.
0: gives you enough. Kind of to make it worthwhile. Yeah,
1: we're. I think this week we're transitioning to North Carolina peaches for the first time. We've been using South Carolina peaches from Shuler for you know the past four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives chefs time to get stuff on the menu and actually work that in. You know, not everybody's printing <laughs> before they menus. have to change. It. <laughs> we're yeah. gonna change their menu again. Yeah, <laughs> no. not everyone's printing menus uh, the night of service. <laughs> right. um, and and so that relationship was really cool, and it's we we haven't stopped making that trip every wednesday since we made it uh back then and then we also started working with grow food down in charleston and that's that's where it's like okay they have volume as well and they're you know specifically a food hub and not not into a bunch of other stuff so that's been great you know we share knowledge you know they they will that's why i was down in charleston a a month or so ago just going down there and, and spending time with them And it's like man you feel like you're in you know, like a therapy session with people that can understand this unique environment in which you operate. And yeah. So that's been cool, but that helps us solve some of that in the winter time when we have just kale and sweet potatoes. We can pull up kumquats from from there, and it really right. gives the chefs access to a lot more stuff. So, cool. Where
0: um where do you see this going, or where do you hope to see it going? Like, what's um you know you mentioned the technology part of it, and kind of not replacing the relationship between farmer but um you know just kind of making it easier where
1: where do you want to see fresh list five years from now yeah i think you know the physical so we talk about fresh list as the hub as it exists now like i don't have aspirations of us you know having hubs in in a lot of different cities we may serve some different markets like if the pandemic wouldn't have happened we would we're going to be in the triangle like we have some chefs there and there's a need there because there are some people that are kind of doing what we're doing, but not in the same way. We'll grow organically in whatever way that is sustainable and makes sense for the hub model. For the technology, that is about helping these other hubs that we've met and that we've come to know, and even hubs we haven't met yet, helping them, you know, giving them the tools and the ability to sustain themselves and not have to rely on grant funding or you know just be this small little niche thing in a in a a food system in a big city like we can I I really think we can um push the needle there and have a much bigger impact um and part of that you know if the technology stuff doesn't work out I I think you know I will still think about everything we've done and and be content with the impact we've made but again I'm still I'm I'm young and still very hungry and motivated where I want to You know, I'm not going to have generational wealth uh, more than likely, but I want to have generational (laughs) impact. Yeah, because I think it's you know that to me means means more.
0: Yeah. Well, the work you're doing is important for sure. I mean, it's 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 changed changed the game for restaurants in the Charlotte area to be able to get this kind of accessibility, like we kind of touched on earlier, for people that are interested in connecting more with local stuff instead of just whatever's in the small section of the Harris Teeter, you know, that local. You, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the local, whatever <laughs> they got going on there. How, how, w- what's your best advice for people either to reach out to you guys mm-hmm. or to, to get access to this kind of product?
1: Yeah. Um, so If they're a chef, obviously reach out, you know, hello at freshlist.com or we've got a little form on our website. Yeah. I'll put the links on
0: the show notes and stuff too.
1: Yeah. We definitely, we're happy to talk to chefs and we, we get a couple inbound inquiries a week, which is cool because we, even though I have a degree in marketing and, and really enjoy sales and marketing, we don't do any of that with chefs. Um, You guys are not very pushy about (laughs) it. You really have to like
0: call and say, Hey, put me
1: on your list. (laughs) Well, and that's because part of that is because I think chefs would see through that. I mean, you guys get that enough. Yeah. Uh, And you don't want to be a a used car salesman. You want people to want the products. Exactly. And so I think, you know, that, that speaks to the reputation that we build and doing business the right way has been the best marketing that, that I think we can do. On the consumer side, you know, our, our delivery radius is still pretty small. You know, it's within a, it's in our neighborhood here, 28205 and then a couple other zip codes. We're expanding that little by little. And we've got some pickup locations uh but yeah if people go to freshlist.com you can see whether or not we deliver they can pick up and beyond that you know i think the markets are great places you know for people because it's so when you have the ability when the farmers can talk to someone at a, at a market stand about the difference between you know you know is your stuff usda certified organic and and i hate that question because <laughs> it's just a, a symptom of this system that we've created that you know
0: we're gonna have to do a whole nother yeah, I podcast know. about that because yeah. I, I think I think I, I think I do I think I need to do yeah. a panel discussion on that because yeah. like there's a lot of
1: heated it's you know yeah yeah
0: what a, what you, a what a mess yeah
1: but <laughs> and the only way that I feel like I've successfully been able to communicate that with people is when you can have that dialogue and so the markets are great for that again yep. you meet the farmer you meet Sammy you meet Mindy you meet you know Brent Emma and Elliot like all these farmers you meet them in person You go out of your way on a Saturday to go buy from them or support the restaurants that do. And that's, to me, the bigger thing. And we, on our website, we have a, we just kind of did a little relaunch of the website, but we have a link for a program that we call VeraFresh, where it was our way of like saying, Hey, we have all these restaurants that buy from us. Let's give consumers that information, not, you know, dollar amounts they're buying or anything like that, but like and with the technology you know we have some abilities there so the list is is active based on any restaurant that's purchased from us within the past 30 days is up there so if you if you get out of that cycle for whatever reason it happens your name will fall off uh and that's not to like you know try to gamify things for the restaurant but it's like consumers need good information and there's so much bad information like you know all, all the I mean, I'm sure it's great, like any restaurant that makes some list, whatever it may be, um, eater top, you know, 25, like those are great because I use those in cities. When, uh, sure. But but to be able, if you really want to support the people who are supporting farms and doing the extra, uh, sometimes more expensive, sometimes, you know, painful work of trying to, to buy locally, we want people to know that because, you yeah, know, that's where you need to be spending your money. Awesome. Anything else you want to cover with uh, these folks about what's going on? No
0: man, I, we could talk forever. Yeah, you know, it's good just. To well, catch we'll do up we'll to, do a follow yeah. up because I do want to talk a little bit about some of the perceptions and stuff like that. You you've, like you said, you got a degree in marketing. I think, I think there's a conversation to be had about telling people real what's going on yeah. and labeling and the certifications and and all this other stuff and all mm-hmm. the hocus pocus, rigmarole, red tape shit that goes along with that. Yeah, and it turns a lot of farmers off. And even yeah. if a farmer, I mean, I wasn't. Certified organic at Jamie's yeah. farm, but we were growing like, we were growing like human scale yeah. farming, you know, and yeah. no, no chemicals, no anything. Mm-hmm. But like to get certification for a small farm, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think we could, we could go on for for
1: two hours talking yeah. about all that. I if, think, and I think we should. If a farmer hasn't gone down that path and they ask us, you know, should I do that? We tell them no. Like yeah. it's not worth the extra, especially if they're trying to sell to restaurants, because in consumers at a market there are, you know, plenty of consumers who want to see that. Right. Chefs. It's not like you're going to change a menu to say certified organic, you know, yeah. butter beans or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's about just trying to latch onto the things that are important and that. And it's hard to do it in a way where people will receive it because there are people who have, you know, the signs and you go and protest the GMOs and mm-hmm. all this mm-hmm. stuff and tell people things are bad, but people that's, they don't respond to that. So right. our are, we are going to start doing more, especially now that, that, you know, COVID seems to be loosening up, knock on (laughs) wood, wherever it is, (laughs) um, Uh, start doing more stuff in the community and, and kind of, you know, we did a farm, uh, little farm dinner, free range brewing does a community dinner series. And we did one of those a a couple weeks ago. We're going to start doing more of our own dinners and really just trying to like bring people together and, and have chefs there and farmers. And, you know, that's, that's what I think it's going to take for, to click with people. Yeah
0: awesome cool man well thank you for your time and talking a little bit about FreshList and what's going on with you and um i look forward to getting you on here again we can talk about some more nitty-gritty stuff
1: yeah thanks man it's always <laughs> good to catch bit. up and uh, sorry uh you know whenever you started your farm uh, i was so excited you know yeah. taking the fresh list team out there but you know it's one of those things that the if I, if I was just trying to be pragmatic and and a jerk i'd be like this is really hard just yeah. you know um I think regardless of whether or not it was going to be successful it's important like to be able to do that like how many chefs yeah. have actually farmed you know like isaiah yeah. allen and i think he's at uh, the eddie pub in saxapol or Sa- i don't know however you say that yeah he's one of those chefs that actually farms too yeah that's how you really get to understand. like holy crap this is hard right and i'm sure that you came away from that experience with a much better appreciation Huge. For, for what well did. and that's really why i did it
0: for me it was about you know i i realized how important locality and healthy nutritious food was to what we do i believe it tastes better i think nutritious food tastes better yeah physiologically i think i mean i can't prove it i'm not a scientist but like (laughs) i think that there's something there and i'd like to explore it yeah um but i wanted to learn more about it and also you know i've gone to sammy's farm i've worked on his farm you know but i don't do it every day yeah and i think that experience of start to finish taking products from seed to, to, to the plate was something that I learned so much about the stuff I was growing and myself. Yeah. Oh Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) you learn a lot, you learn a lot about yourself farming and like out there in the heat and grinding it out and, and, and all that. So, you know, and honestly, I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, had we, so we, we farmed for two years, like two seasons out there. You know, if I hadn't had to close my restaurants, we probably could have, could have stayed yeah but you know it just wasn't it wasn't meant to be yeah
1: i remember we i think we sold some stuff for y'all you know yeah, we were trying to trying to get out there and, and hustle for y'all as yeah, well um, you did, thank you for that yeah i mean it's i mean it bought us some time that's for sure yeah no it's it's what we do but yeah it was it was just cool just to see you know it, i'm fortunate that we have this little bit of property here in in the neighborhood where we it's what sparked the idea with Freshless, like putting mm-hmm. seeds in the ground and going through that whole process of you know starting when they're babies and then they get out and the tomato plants are growing and growing and then boom, you know, some blight hits them and you're like, you know, just crushed and you can't just replace it. It's a whole other season away. And so everybody needs to farm (laughs) to to get that. And that's where have a garden, like
0: grow a garden
1: and just take, you know,
0: take a, take a tomato plant Mm -hmm. from seed to, to fruit is like a process, man. And it's, you know, there's a lot to it and the learning curve, I'll tell you, Was is steep for what these people are doing? I mean, (laughs) I think I was on the farm, my farm, for three years. The first year we were just getting it ready. Um, You know, I was working full time at the restaurants too. Mm -hmm. You know, spending my weekends with Sammy, just Mm -hmm. learning, getting advice, and and you know, he was an amazing mentor as far as telling me what to do and what not to do. I mean, he even came out to our farm and walked the, the, before we bought it, yeah. it was like, hey, this would be a good place to grow kind of thing. Yeah, You know, so the work that goes into it, man, I mean, I
1: grow a garden, like figure yeah. it out. It's, <laughs> it takes so much. Yeah, I mean, that's where we all got disconnected from the food was, you know, I talk about, I used to say like, oh, my grandparents farm, but really everybody's grandparents farmed to some right. degree, or they had a garden or, you know, and once you get removed from that, you just don't appreciate where stuff comes from. And mm-hmm. you don't, know. like some people, I remember when we first got chickens, one of our friends is like but you don't have a rooster like how do you get eggs <laughs> it's like oh man yeah like, yeah well I mean yeah people don't know <laughs> yeah right yeah so yeah um, it's wild yeah but cool man. awesome man yeah, yeah was-
0: good, good luck with everything you got going on with the expansion and growing and and getting back on your feet over here we're glad that that's that's happening and let's chat again soon yeah awesome thanks thanks.